Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesboro Baptist Church. We're continuing in our Sunday morning series entitled Some Assembly Required, and this is our series on marriage. And today it's the husband's turn. Uh, we let the wives have it last week, so to speak, and uh, we're going to let the husbands have it with both barrels. This is a two-parter. We'll do part one this week and part two next week. Please enjoy. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your place, I'm going to ask you to stand respect and reverence the Word of God. We're going to begin reading in verse 25, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husbands. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would just bless this service, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us as we study your word, Lord, as we glean truths from it. And may it, those truths, just may we soak up the truth of the word of God and change our life. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> so, a little review on Ephesians chapter 5. Before he goes into uh, the roles of a marriage, he starts out by saying, you need to be a good Christian. If you're a good Christian, you're going to be a good spouse. And he starts out by saying you need to be an imitator of God. You need to imitate God. He goes on to say that part of imitating God is being filled with the Holy Spirit, was asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Now, how does being filled with the Spirit manifest in our lives? Being filled with the Spirit of God manifests in our lives through Number one, public worship. Number two, private worship. Number three, having an attitude of gratitude. This is all from Ephesians chapter 5. And number four, being filled with the Spirit of God manifests in having a submissive spirit. Man, woman, it doesn't matter. As a Christian, you are to have a submissive spirit. So then he goes on to explain how in different areas we have this submissive spirit. And he starts with the wife in verses 22 through 24. And we, we, uh, let's read that real quick. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. He himself being Savior of the body. <clears throat> but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So that's the wives part. So we already talked about that. So now we get, now we get to verse 25, and it starts out by saying, Husbands, love your wives. You know, everywhere we go, we see love stories. We listen to songs about love stories. We watch movies about love stories. And, and, and we hear love poems. And we see love cards everywhere. And, you know, uh, now me, um, I'm a guy. So, I mean, I go to watch a movie. I want to shoot them up. I want a Marvel movie. I want a superhero movie. That, that's the kind of stuff that I like. My wife, she likes the love stories. She likes the rom-coms. And so what I do when I want to get her interested in a movie is I tell her, hey, it's a love story. Because nine times out of ten, there's a love interest in there. She's caught on to my tricks. She knows my ways. But, you know, I mean, listen, we're guys, right? So we're not all about that lovey-dovey stuff, are we? That, that's not for us. Wrong. It's especially for us. Because over and over and over and over in this Bible, it tells husbands to love their wives. Ecclesiastes 9, 9. <clears throat> Woman whom you love. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5.28, husband loves your wives as your own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Ephesians 5.33, each individual among you was also to love his own wife, even as himself. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against her. 1 Corinthians 7.3, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. So husband, I think you're supposed to love your wife. I think that the Bible is very clear about that. But how do we do that? How are we supposed to love our wives? Now, this started out as what I'm going to give you today was supposed to be the introduction. And then what I'm going to give you next week was supposed to be the body of the message. But there's so much information here that I had to split it up into two. So I'm going to hit the husbands two weeks in a row. There's obviously... More, there's more here for the husband than the wife. So, um, so what we're going to talk about this week is we're going to talk about how to love your wife. And the next week, we're going to talk about how to treat your wife. Okay? So let, let's get into this. How, as husbands, are we supposed to love our wives? Well, number one, the first, this love that you have for your wife Number one, it's supposed to be a sacrificial love. It's supposed to be a sacrificial love. Verse 25. <clears throat> Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now listen, we just got done telling the wives to submit to the husband, but, and, but these commandments here don't have anything to do with what we would think leadership would be. These commands don't have any, it, it, it doesn't say to command her. It doesn't say to subjugate her. It doesn't say to rule her. It doesn't say to demand from her. It doesn't say to boss her around. It says to love her. These commands go against 
what we instinctively think that leadership is. It goes against those things. See, because this agape love, we, we went through the types of loves back at the beginning of the series, but in this agape love here, it's different than other kinds of love. This agape love, it's not spontaneous love. You hear the things all the time, oh, it was love at first sight. Maybe it was lust at first sight. But listen, agape love isn't spontaneous love. Agape love is love by choice. It's a decision. Let me, let me say something here. Feelings are not love. Feelings are not love. You choose to love. People say all the time, oh, I just fell out of love with this person. It's not my fault. I can't help it. I just fell out of love with them. No, it is your fault. Because that's a choice that you made. Why do we love Jesus? Because he first loved us. Before we created, before the foundations of the world, before we were ever thought of by anybody, Christ loves us. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a self-giving love. It's a selfless love. It's a love that doesn't demand change. It's a love that doesn't expect repayment. It's a love that doesn't demand anything. It's a love so great that you can love the unlovable. It's a love so great that you can love the unappealing. It's a love that loves even when it's rejected, still loves. This is where the husband submits to the wife. This is where the husband submits to the wife. How did Christ love the church? He submitted to it. He died for it. He sacrificed for it. And you can't tell me that this isn't where the husband submits to the wife. Husband may say, well, what if my wife just doesn't love me back? Well, you're in a good company with Christ, aren't you? How many people does Christ love, but they reject him and they don't love him back? What does Christ do? He loves him anyway. Husband, I got news for you. You're the servant. Husband, you are the servant. If anyone's needs is going on the back burner, it's your needs that go on the back burner. If anybody's going to go without, it's the husband that goes without. If anybody's going to take the hit, the husband takes the hit. That's what we're there to do. We take the hit. Husband may say, I thought I was the head of the home. You are. Well, I thought she was supposed to submit to me. She is. Well, then why do I have to sacrifice what I want? Why do I have to lay down my life? Why do I have to humble myself? Why do I have to lay aside what's best for me and serve someone else? I thought I was in charge. Because that's the difference between godly headship and worldly headship. There's a difference. Worldly headship says, I'm in charge. 
You must do what I say. But godly headship says, I am your head, so I must serve you. I must care for you. Worldly submission says, you must submit to me. So here's a list of things for you to do. But godly submission says, you must submit to me. So that means I'm accountable to God for you. So that means I must care for you. And I must serve you. Husband, I'm going to tell you right now how you express love to your wife. This is how you do it. A husband expresses love to his wife through self-sacrifice. That's how you do it. You express love through self-sacrifice. You put her needs above your own. Her physical needs are more important than yours. Her emotional needs are more important than yours. She is your priority. Number two, this is a purifying love. Let's look at verse 26. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, <coughs> having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. You're to seek the purity of your partner. You're to seek the sanctity of your wife. And it says there, washed by the word. The word there is not the word logos. It's the word rima. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about the spoken word of God, the preached word of God, the taught word of God. Let me tell you something. There is cleansing in the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That's why church is so important. That's why Bible study is so important. That's why personal reading is so important. Because there is a cleansing power in the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Husband, the spiritual health of the home is the husband's responsibility. And we've got too many husbands in America today that are shirking this responsibility. You go up to most grown people and you ask them, who is the spiritual leader of your home? And most of them will say, my mom was a spiritual leader of my home. My mom was a spiritual leader of my home growing up. And look, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I am here today standing behind this pulpit because my, I had a mom who brought me to church who invested in my spiritual health and learning. Listen, husband. Your wife wants you to be the spiritual leader of the home. She wants that. If she's carrying that baton, she wants to pass that baton on to you. But maybe you think to yourself, maybe you're thinking, you know what? I'm too inadequate for this task. I'm, I'm inadequate. Brett, I, I want to be the spiritual leader, but I don't know where to start. She's been doing it for so long, I don't know how I can ever catch up. I'm going to tell you a good place to start. You be the spiritual initiator. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you can be the spiritual initiator. And some areas that you initiate in is, number one, you initiate your own personal spiritual growth. You make the decision, I'm going to read my Bible every day. 
I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to read the Bible while I'm drinking my coffee. I'm going to download an app and listen to it while I drive to work. I'm going to read a chapter after uh, I I, uh, uh, eat supper. Any one of those, you find a time. You make a decision. I'm going to pray every single day. You make the decision, I'm going to get together with other Christian men and I'm going to grow spiritually, I'm going to grow relationally. You initiate your own spiritual growth. Number two, you initiate prayer. You know what is funny? It's funny that a husband will jump in front of his wife and take a bullet for her, but freezes up when he thinks about taking her hand and praying out loud. Freezes up when it comes to that. Listen. It doesn't have to be long. You don't have to wax eloquent. It doesn't have to be the benediction at St. Andrew's Cathedral. It doesn't have to be that. You say, baby, I want to pray with you. And if you're not comfortable praying out loud, I'll just pray, but I want to pray with you. And you just close your eyes and say what's on your mind. Dear God, thank you for what you've given us. Bless my wife. Bless our family. Be with our kids. Thank you for our home. Thank you for our jobs. Thank you for the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear. Be with little Jimmy who's sick. Be with Aunt Ruthie. Be with the people at the church. And when you run out of things to say, you say, in Jesus' name, amen. It ain't got to be long. It ain't got to be eloquent. It's just got to be. Number three, you can initiate devotions. Devotions are just you and your wife, you and your spouse reading the Bible together. Whether you get a little devotion book like Our Daily Bread and you take turns reading one a day, or you get a Bible and you read a couple chapters uh, or a couple, even a couple paragraphs. It ain't got to be a chapter. Just read a couple paragraphs in the Bible. Maybe you can take turns reading. Maybe you can read a verse or she, and then she can read a verse and you can take turns reading. But you just read the Bible once a day. I don't know where to start. It's all good. But you need a place to start. Start in John. Read John, then read Acts, then read Romans. Then after that, you're good. Just go wherever. Just read the Bible. Number four, initiate Church attendance. Your wife needs you to take initiative each week in making church a priority. How is your family going to be washed in the Word if they don't hear the Word taught? And I guarantee you, husband, that you taking the initiative to come to church and your relationship will reap more spiritual benefits in your marriage than you can ever know. Number five, initiate thanksgiving. When you experience something good in your life, verbally thank God. Thank God verbally where she can hear you. Thank God for his provision and for his care and for his love. Every good gift is from above. Every single one. Want to be the spiritual leader? You care about the sanctity of your wife? You just be the spiritual initiator. That's all you got to do. 
You just take that first step. Everything else will fall into place. Number three, it's a caring love. <clears throat> it's a caring love. Let's read verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Okay, so what it, what it doesn't say is it doesn't say that husbands should love their wives in the same way they love their body. It says that husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Okay, so a husband must love his wife as his body. Think about Adam. Eve was taken from Adam. She was a part of him, and he looked at her, and she, he called her woman because she was taken from man. And he said, this is bone of my bones, and this is flesh of my flesh. This isn't something uh, that you pick up instinctively. This is something that you have to be taught. You two are inseparable. You are a unit. There is oneness. You are one. All right, so the statement is, if you love your wife, you love yourself. So let's flip that. When you hurt your wife, you hurt yourself. When you hurt your wife's feelings, you hurt your feelings. When you neglect your wife, you neglect yourself. You're driving down the road. All of a sudden, there's a noise from under the hood. It's not a good time for a noise to be coming from under the hood. You're busy. You don't have time to go to the mechanic. You've got the money to fix a problem, but you've got that money allocated for something else. You're planning on doing something else with it. So you think, maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. So you ignore the noise. It doesn't go away but you get used to it. You drive down the road a little more, and then as time goes on, the noise gets louder. You notice it, but you keep ignoring it. It doesn't go away, but eventually you get used to it. And then all of a sudden, you're driving down the interstate one day, a loud pop, and then silence. There's no noise coming from under the hood. And then you roll to a stop on the side of the interstate. Now you've got major problems. Now you've neglected things way too long. Husband, your whole thinking needs to change. As men, we are isolationists. Men are very good at detaching. I can go in the woods with a tent and a campfire and I'll be good by myself. Your whole thinking, husband, needs to change. You are no longer in isolation. You are no longer in detachment. Your wife, your wife needs to be in your thinking at all times, meaning you always need to consider your wife, even when you're apart, even when you're supposed to be apart, even when you're at work, even when you're on the lake. You never stop considering your wife. The Bible says, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. I want you to do me a favor this week. Husbands, men, do me a favor. For seven days, I want you to make a commitment to do this this week. For seven days, I don't want you to drink anything. No soda, no coffee, no tea, and especially no water. 
In fact, if you get thirsty, just distract your mind and think about something else. Now, if you did that, what would happen? You'd get sick and die, wouldn't you? In fact, that's a pretty stupid thing to do, isn't it? It's a very stupid thing to do. Why? You're going to hydrate yourself. You're going to feed yourself. You're going to clothe yourself. Why? Because if you don't, you are going to suffer. If you do not nourish your wife, if you do not cherish your wife, it is you that's going to suffer. You suffer for it. The same oneness that we have with Christ is the same oneness that a husband and wife share. In some some ways in this is we share in the same resurrected life with Jesus Christ. A husband and wife, they share life together. They have oneness in life. The Bible says I'm a co-worker. uh, As a part of the church, I'm a co-worker with Christ. I'm a co-laborer with Christ. A husband and a wife are co-workers. They are co-laborers. Jesus has a unique sympathy for his church. They doesn't have for everybody else. He loves everybody. But there's a unique sympathy for his own children. Just as you have a unique sympathy for your wife, that you don't have for anybody else on the planet. You cannot exist without Christ, and Christ cannot exist without you in the sense that a Redeemer is not a Redeemer without the redeemed. A Savior is not a Savior without somebody to save. You cannot exist without your wife. The Savior shares our nature You and your wife, you live together, even for a short time, you begin to share one another's nature. We share in the riches of glory with Christ, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Just as a husband and wife, they share possessions. There's no his, there's no hers, there's no yours, there's no mine, there's only ours. When the Savior is lifted up, His people are lifted up. You and your wife, you share the same condition. If one is sad, the other's sad. If one is glad, the other's glad. We'll be glorified with Jesus one day. And in the same way, a husband and wife, they share the same future destiny. Number four, it's an unbreakable love. It's an unbreakable love. Verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. (coughs) Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Eve was taken out of Adam and was created by God, built by God. And then God took Eve back to Adam and joined the two together. It was God that did that. God did that joining. It can be said of every married man in this room today, you are joined to your wife. God was the one who did the joining. God joins you. 
and our wedding ceremonies today is still quoted the words of Christ from Mark 10, 6. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Jesus spoke those words about marriage. They're in your Bible as red letters. Jesus spoke those words. God has joined you together. A husband can resist it. A husband can resent it. A husband can ignore it, but they can't change it. It's a fundamental principle of marriage. Leave and cleave. God did the joining. Look at your wife and say, you and me, baby, we're stuck like glue. You're not going anywhere without me. Leave and cleave. You have oneness. You have one flesh. One is the indivisible number. You see, that's the reason why all forms of of sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, uh, uncleanness, that's why all forms, they violate this oneness. They violate this unity. God says in the book of Malachi, God hates divorce. You see, God orders how a marriage should be dissolved. If it's to be dissolved legitimately, there are biblical grounds for divorce. And even Jesus said, the reason for that is because of the hardness of your heart, but from the beginning it was not so. God understands the hardness of our hearts. But listen, even if it's a legitimate divorce, God still hates it. Why? Because it shatters this union that God has created that produces children. And this union is created, this beautiful union, this oneness that passes righteousness from one generation to the next. Listen, I want to say today, if you're in here today and you've been divorced in the past, God's not done with you. God is not done with you. Quit looking back. It's under the blood. Look forward. I'm talking about the marriage you have now. Marriage is serious business to God. You complete each other just as Christ fulfills the church. I mean, as the church fulfills Christ. Ephesians 1.23, which is his body? the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church fulfills Christ in the same way that spouses fulfill each other. Verse 33, Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So let's go through this last verse, phrase by phrase. It says, Each individual among you, That means that no one's exempt from it. It applies to all all husbands, all wives. You may just say, well, I'm not that type of person. That's all, well, you know, this is something I get all the time. You give somebody a biblical irrefutable truth, and then they hit you with, well, that's all well and good, but, and then shrugs it off. Down here in the South, we hear that, oh, that's all well and good, And that just basically means it's true, but I don't agree with it. But, you know, it's just, I'm just, you just say, I'm just not that type of person. A husband says, you know what? I'm just not the type of person that says I love you. 
I said I love you to my wife on the day that I got married, and she knows I love her. And when I married her, I told her that was the only time she was going to hear me say it, and she knows that I love her, and it's just implied she knows it. And what I say to you, if you're like that, get over it. She needs to hear it. Yes, show you love her with your actions. She needs to hear the words, I love you. She needs to hear it. And this it says, it's to love his own wife even as himself. Husband, wife, individuality goes out the window. You are a unit. You are one. The relationship that you have is indivisible and it's permanent. Husband, you cannot love your wife too much. It's like Christ cannot love the church too much. But you know what? The more you love your wife, you know who benefits from that? You'd benefit. Yes, your wife benefits from that, but the more you love your wife, husband, the more it benefits you because you're one. And it says that a wife must see to it that she respects her husband. This is highlighting the greatest needs in a marriage. A husband's greatest need is respect. A wife's greatest need is love. Not saying that there are not other needs. These are just the greatest needs. And that does not mean that the wife doesn't have to love her husband and the husband doesn't have to respect his wife. That's not what that means. These are are just the greatest needs in a marriage. The greatest need that a husband has is, is respect. The greatest need that a wife has is love. Let me ask you a question. Think about this. When you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved? Or do you feel disrespected? They did a study. And they took 7,000 people. And they asked 7,000 people this same question. 83% of the men said they felt disrespected. 72% of the women said that they felt unloved. Now listen, we all need love and respect. But when you're in a conflict, the the difference is, is as big as pink and blue. What if the husband says to the wife, husband comes up to the wife and says, I love you, but touching you gives me the creeps. Well, that a red flag there, wasn't it? Uh, That doesn't make any sense. Either... You don't know what love is, or you don't love me then. Okay, well, what if the wife comes up to the husband and says, I love you, but I don't respect you? Ooh, gut punch. Man, it doesn't even sound right, does it? It doesn't even sound that those two thoughts and those two feelings can exist in the same heart at the same time. It just doesn't sound right. What if you're in here today and you say, Brett, my wife doesn't respect me. What do I do? Let me tell you something, husband. If you be all you can be in Christ, she will respect you. If you be all you can be in Christ, she will respect you. Husband, 
You're commanded to love your wife. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a purifying love. It's a caring love. And it's an unbreakable love. Let me tell you something. As I stand up here and I read this scripture on how a husband is supposed to love his wife, you know what I find for myself? I can't do this. I can't be this person. I'm too selfish. I'm too prideful. And I fail over and over and over again. And whether you're a, a husband or a wife, you open up the Bible and you read what God prescribes in the role of a marriage and you may think the same thing. I can't do this. And you're right. You can't do it by yourself. That's why you got to ask Jesus to make you the right kind of person. That's why you got to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, make me the right kind of person to be the right kind of husband. Make me the right kind of person to be the right kind of wife. You can't be it to yourself. You have to turn to Jesus. Stop looking at your spouse to make you happy. Stop looking at your wife to make you happy. Stop making, looking at your husband to make you happy. They can't make you happy because they are flawed. Your husband is flawed. Your wife is flawed. You both need to stop looking at each other and start looking at Jesus. And as you grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he will pull you both together and you will grow together in Christ. What do I want you to do today? We're going to have an invitation and we're going to have a time of meditation and prayer on what we've just studied in the scripture. And whether you're a husband or whether you're a wife, what I'd like for you to do today, or even if you plan on being married one day, what I want you to do is I want you to directly ask Jesus to make you the type of person that you need to be. And you need to surrender to his plan. You need to surrender to his word and surrender to his will. I can't do it alone, Jesus. I can only do it with your help. And as always, if you're in here today and you don't know that you're saved, today is the day to get that settled, to know that you have an eternal home in heaven.